Who are you? Who am I? Who are you? Because you're my father. I'm a little more than that, Kevin. What are you? Oh! I have so many names. See? Call me Dad. Welcome to Against All Oddities, the podcast about three brothers coming to terms with the oddly true and the truthfully odd. Today's episode features that rascally and ever-elusive character, the devil. It's a big topic, and we cover everything worth talking about, and then some. This episode also introduces for the first time the Against All Oddities Riddler. So stick around until the end, because you may be the first listener to win some serious paranormal swag. So prepare yourself. This is Against All Oddities. So, yeah, I guess if I was looking up the definitions of devil in the Abrahamic religions, the three main ones, I guess, are like the Christian, the Christian devil, the Jew, the Jewish devil and the, the Islamic devil. And the, there's similarities between how they describe it and the, the differences and what it means. And uh, it seemed like a, the common denominator between a lot of the. The descriptions of the the devil is that it acts as temptation for humans or there were fallen angels that were supposed to guard humans and it was either like sexual temptation or just temptation to give in to something and so i was like what's what's the best movie to represent all this is it is it legend is it the devil's advocate is it constantine no in my head it's bedazzled the 2000 hit movie, I don't know how much of a hit it was. It was probably mixed reviews with uh, Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley are the two main characters. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen this. I'm looking at pictures. but I You no, should. You really should. Good. It is it's, a really good movie. It's it's funny. And so like the, the... He was sensitive. He was sensitive, man. Oh, tell it. Tell it. The yeah, the the gist of it is Brendan Fraser's this nerdy guy at work that just can't, uh, you know, he's just really awkward and can't get a conversation going with this girl that he really has a, a crush on. And then so the devil pops up, who's Elizabeth Hurley, and gives him seven wishes in exchange for his soul, but he never gets the wishes right, or he's not specific enough, because in his first one, he's like, I want to be really powerful and rich and married to this girl. And so she makes him a Colombian drug lord. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Or and I want to be the most and... most sensitive guy in the world. And he's like as a ponytail and a guitar on a beach, but he can't stop crying because the sun's setting. That's too well, yeah, it's it's too pretty. <laughs> and so these like bullies come over and start kicking sand on him, and it's just like an ocean of sand. Just and he's like, "Come on, guys, let's sit, let's just sit down and have some dolphin safe tuna and talk about this." But yeah. he was. 
too sensitive, and so the girl that he liked just left him. Uh, was, everything was had an unexpected consequence. But it, it, but she wasn't evil, right? Like she portrayed it, but it was more of like the Hebrew version of a Satan or devil, right? Where it's their their whole thing isn't about um, a punishing deity or something. It's more of a, the an advocate or like the devil's advocate, like they're mm-hmm. or advocating against humanity or goodness or whatever. Yeah, but it's temptation. But pushes, that was that was the the, the whole point of it was temptation, and he ends up meeting a character that's suggestively God, like when he gets arrested at some point, and that character and Elizabeth Hurley are playing chess at the end of it, having a conversation about it. But yeah. with but anyway, with the Jewish version of Satan, it's it's more of an angel in the service of God, like he works for God, and he's kind of like the the one that argues of how arguing against humans being weak and flawed, but he's not really evil or anything. You know, he's just, he just has like a crappy job. Yeah. So if you give us the subject of like in your head, what's the devil or what's a good representation recently? I chose bedazzled, but my favorite is the ninth gate as far as the representation. Oh, why didn't I have the ninth gate on there? Cause in the ninth gate, um, Polanski's wife, (laughs) I guess, is the devil and that is to me the more interesting devil in that she is more it's more chaotic neutral in a way right like so she's helping um johnny depp essentially defeat satanists because they're stupid (laughs) and so you know and and so she she won't do anything directly but she'll assist him and yeah it's it's a kind of a much more interesting devil character that than just kind of like Christian devil, which I think is a fairly flat character. Well, yeah, and she doesn't. It's it's still free will. Everything he's doing is his own choice. She's just opening the doors for him. Yeah, and then he he chooses his path, and she kind of helps screw other people over. <laughs> well, all she does is, all she does is allow him to go down his path. Like she helps him by allowing him to make choices by allowing, you know, by preventing bad guys from beating him up or giving him like just enough assistance to not be defeated within the first like five minutes of the movie. Yeah. Cause he is super weak <laughs> like this. Yeah. and kind of like a wet blanket, like kind of a dummy too. Um, yeah. Like there's an unawareness to him that is about him choosing to open his eyes, which goes into the other form of the devil that you guys didn't mention, which is more of the Gnostic devil or the Luciferian devil. You know, this other um, one that's a little bit more associated, uh, which like paganism and witchcraft, which is, I don't know, a little more interesting in a sense. In what way? Like it has more depth. It's not just like well, it's the just cause like, of bad it's things. It's just like a little bit more fun of a story. Like, did you guys ever read the um, his Dark Materials books? No. The, yeah. gold, the Golden Compass, the Subtle Knife, I'm, and the Amber Spyglass. Familiar with it, but no. I've seen well, the movie. The movie is trash. <laughs> the HBO TV show that just came on is better, but not great. But what's interesting about that kid's book is it is a, a parable for 
it's like a Lucifer's parable and it was actually banned by the Catholic church when it came out, but it's like a, you know, it's an award-winning children's book, but it's kind of amazing. The, I think the writer who's British is just like secretly really into British witchcraft, which tends to be a little Luciferian, which in a sense, they, it's more of like a retelling of the Christian devil or the fallen angel Lucifer, which is, um, that, you know, in that theory, like Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were, they were dumb. Like they were just like another cow. They didn't know what, they didn't have free will. They didn't have um, an idea of what good and evil even was. And then the snake comes along and like basically exposes knowledge to them. And then of course, as soon as they gain knowledge, they were cast out of, utopia right like the idea that you couldn't be self-aware and exist in that place so they they left and so that kind of um witchcraft sees the, the that version of the devil the lucifer version of as a um helper of humans so it was kind of like you know like the the god in that scenario was the restrictive like paternal like jerk of the two <laughs> well yeah, it's like a ignorance is bliss or like red pill blue pill situation yeah and the and the so the so there's a lot of quotes like from crowley you know alistair crowley uh 19th century early 20th century magician who was like the serpent is not the enemy of man but uh he who made gods of our race and knowing good and evil so they always see they like link it to prometheus like the idea of stealing fire from the god so um but anyway as a children's story they oh uh, wait hold on you know who also stole fire from the gods and gave it to the humans a crow in native american folklore right well, yeah. and okay so all of this goes back to that like the whole iconography that you see of the devil comes from early nature-based you know pagan deities right so like you look at pan the horn god puck Hades, Cernanos, Herne, you know, these are all like when the Christians were expanding uh, or Christianity was expanding its reach, they were just adopting, you know, this is not new information. They, they would roll into an area and just adopt it. Like the, oh, the gods, of the area. Was they, Pan Greek? Uh, yes. And he, he had goat legs, right? So yeah. wouldn't that be where that icon? Uh... Yeah. Well, no, so I got I was going through Mary's book that she has, which is Sarakin's Demons and Jews, and it's the making of monsters in medieval art. In earlier medieval art before the 11th century, uh, all the devils and and there's different things like your Lucifer actually goes back to like the king of Babylon, right, and then was later adopted as. Uh, the devil, the, a name for the devil, right? Because he yeah. wasn't great or whatever, or Satan. Uh, but the uh, earlier depictions of devils or demons or whatever were all over the place. They might Wait, have, how far back? You say uh, earlier, like, how far back? Like pre 11th century, 
like as things aren't the the church is still fluid in, in some ways like mm-hmm. Ro- rome's adopted the church or whatever but through medieval art like they're they might a lot of them won't have a head and have a mouth in the stomach or have like wings out of their wrists or have you know all these different animal parts and then slowly after the 11th century they started adopting more uh wings on the back and mm-hmm. cloven hooves and it started to create this devil shape but it was like chris was saying all the different animal stuff and it was it was almost like symbolic of um you know the scary bad things in nature and deformities which people did not like back then like no. if you were born with club feet or something like that was not cool yeah for, for you but it's a, <laughs> so it's it was definitely how they could roll up into western europe uh look you know thinking about um all the forest gods that they were worshiping they're like well you know that's the devil i mean i mean it it just yeah you know it it made sense and even like to this day it's still evolving in that in that way because you know much later like 19th century they're still trying to like take anything that they thought was Mm, that they wanted to make sure did not take away from the power that they had like slowly wrestled over the past 2000 years. Um, like the man in black or the ride that, you know, the British lore, like the hunt, the hunt at night with the, the queen of the elf fame, you know, like the, like fairy lore, which is rooted in Celtic and um, kind of like British uh, folklore. Like they were still trying to figure out how to take, folklore and turn it into something that was really bad um before i lose track um like going back to the tree of life right which is my second favorite story in the old testament but the um the the concept of the creation of duality of man is phenomenal and it is cross-culture right like tim was saying and going in native america and everywhere else it's just the same same concept because you're separating at the moment that humans are separate from the animals like adam and eve were ashamed of their nudity all of a sudden yeah. they didn't care before because they were animals yeah. now there's something else and they're realizing the uh uh that there's good and bad or a concept of good and bad but what what because you have a concept of good and bad, then you all of a sudden now you need something to represent the bad and you need something magical to represent the good. Right. So you have now you have good and evil. And so slowly you have different, you know, you have the, the head guys of both good and evil. And then you have little sub creatures, whether they're devils or angels or whatever. Right. So you have yeah, two what, sides. What's interesting about what you're saying, which is I totally agree with, isn't so much good and bad, because I think that's a more modern take of it. It was more of um, tree of life stuff, which is uh, the path of severity and the path of uh, what is the opposite of severity. I, for, I always forget the name of that one. But the um, the idea that there is no such thing like the binary of like pure evil and pure good didn't exist. Yeah in more uh, indigenous cultures, whether they be here or in Europe or Africa or Asia, um, that it was, it's like nuanced, right? Like you have to kill to eat food. Like, you know, there's, there's um, um, this concept of like total unbridled evil, which is what is kind of associated with the Christian devil is a fairly new a new thing and that's why people were like oh i'm into the devil like back in the day like in sweden or something it wasn't so much 
that it was that they were into like evil and lying. They were just into the more severe path, like maybe a warrior type spirit or like, uh, you know, that a more material like path or something. I think the the Shinto gods. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting Tim too. Uh, go for it. Yeah, go ahead. Like the the Japanese religion or the the Shinto mm-hmm. stuff, where everything has a spirit and a little character to go with it, and eventually, yeah. but instead of morphing into like consolidating into two bad things, it's just like kept separating, and now you have. I, I really think Pokemon's and stuff like that come from that. I mean, it's sure. like animism. Yeah, it's like, oh, look at that, <laughs> you know, or Spirited Away and all the all those movies. Is it safe to talk? Yeah, I'm not going to no. interrupt anymore. It's not just, yeah, the, <laughs> I think it's... Took... Oh, got Jesus Christ. See, here it goes. Go <laughs> to say something. No. Say. Yeah, do it. What are you going to say? Talk. It, it, took, say it. it took a while, I think, for, for the Christian depiction of the devil to to become one single entity because in the uh, early 1400s there's the an anonymous text the lantern of light that they think was written by john wycliffe who helped to found the protestant side of the christian religion but in the text that separated the seven deadly sins into seven different demons and pride, envy, wrath, sloth, greed, gluttony, and lust were de- it was Lucifer, Beelzebub, Satan, Abaddon, Mammon, Belphegor, and Asmodeus. And so they all had the and the the generalization of each of these demons could apply to whatever like uh, nature spirits that Chris was talking about. Be like, oh, that's lustful. That's uh, that's Asmodeus you were talking to, or. That sounds uh, like you're envious of something. That's Beelzebub. You know, it's it's general enough, but still. Well, and that's why, like the when you like, we could talk about a billion devil movies. I mean, there's how. Ha- I mean, there's just really a lot. But I'm trying why... really hard not to talk about movies. No, no, now no. That it got pointed out, but that's the only references that I came well, in prepared I to make. You, I, you know, we are making large cultural statements and movies are kind of the epitome and like amalgamation of like, or the summation of like art. <laughs> like it's both a story, it's visual, it's experiential. Um, and I'm not going to talk about movies except that there are different types of movies and there's the devil that there's a lot of them these days that I'm just not interested in, which is just a simplified like devil possession, which is like, it's so evil. Um, That's why I like the more, there's like the more fun kind of whimsy that comes with like, say the ninth gate or even the witch, even though that's like black Philip, black Philip, which is a little bit more traditional. And because literally they were basing that movie on like traditional, like, the new England tales, but there's like the idea that there's the the reason why the witch is cool, even though it was um, based on a, you know, a traditional new England tale where the devil's clearly the bad guy. I thought it was actually a very punk rock portrayal in that it was about her liberation. Like she is this like, young woman who is about to be sold into indentured servitude and whose entire life has been ruined by 
essentially the patriarchy and it's she uh chooses to kind of be liberated by this character and she joins this like group of women in the woods where she has like superpowers and and even though the story was based in like a very traditional like moral you know christian story the way it was shot it didn't make it seem like she made the wrong choice you know what i mean no, it it... although they did chew up rabbits dogs and babies which is bad yeah, I mean, we don't really know what they did, <laughs> but yes, yeah, that's the. I mean, the. Who they, would win in a fight, Black Philip or Tim Curry from Legend? Tim Curry. Yeah, Tim Curry is probably like. Although he really doesn't look scarier. like he can move around very much. Well, because of the horns, the, the giant. Horns pretty big. Yeah, how but much do you think that costume weighs? He's used yeah. Well, you know the story behind the, that costume. He did that movie right before he did the miniseries TV show It, like the original Stephen King's It. Yeah. And one of the reasons why everyone loves the original It was that the clown makeup was actually so simple that it made it more scary, right? Well, the reason why the clown makeup was simple was because he was so exhausted of getting into the devil outfit for Legend. That 12 he, hours of yeah, he or something. <laughs> he totally refused to get into a lot of makeup for it, which he shot right after. So they're like, okay, well, I guess we'll just do like a really simple clown makeup thing. And he just sold it with his like messed up Acting. things. Yeah. yeah, it became uh, iconic. Yeah. But that's because he, was a, he just wasn't feeling makeup anymore after Legend. It was awesome makeup in Legend. Legend is a good movie. I, well, I like, it's Ridley Scott. Yeah. Do you think I those mean, horns alien. were solid though, or were they hollow? It doesn't really matter. I'm sure they were hollow, but it's so much um, latex holding them on. <laughs> if it was the '80s, it was probably filled with cocaine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there was an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation where this planet. There was this whole whole um, legend that in the planet was great. Everyone's happy, good industry. You know, they cleaned up the environment. You know, they had been going downhill. And uh, the legend was like the devil showed up, who was a woman. And she said, you know, I'll be back to enslave you in, you know, a thousand years. But yeah. in the meantime, I'll fix everything. And sure enough, they did. They cleaned up their environment and <laughs> fixed whatever horrible political structure they had. And she showed up a thousand years later. Like this woman shows up with magical powers and can cause earthquakes and stuff. And the Enterprise happened to be in orbit. And um, Captain Picard was not having any of that and <laughs> believed it was fake, even though he was captured by her and switched around. But it was all all tricks. And he ended up catching the devil and uh, I like Captain Picard's position on religion so much. Like he, the, there's another planet where he beamed down on the planet and they saved somebody or somebody got beamed up. Like the doctor brought somebody back up like some, you know, Whoa. Iron Age alien and healed him real quick and sent him back. And they just saw everybody talking to Picard. and He was giving orders and he got back and told everybody about the Picard that healed me, and they started worshiping him. And he got pissed and went down there and was like, it took us hundreds of years to get over this superstitious, you know, horse hockey or whatever. (laughs) Stop it. And they ended up shooting him with arrows, and he got hurt, and they decided he wasn't a god. Um, 
That you mean that's a reoccur. Okay, first of all, I got I got several Star Trek things I want to bring that up. First, I think the ultimate, like my version of the devil that I I think is interesting in a literary sense is Q from the Next Generation. Oh, he's such a good character. He, he is, is a good character. He's he one is of the more interesting. A god, ones. but is puckish. Like he's a puckish god. Like that is yeah. the devil, right? And then also in the uh, Star Trek final frontier one of the ones with um oh they go to the they, and the there's planet. like that's there's the god worst oh yeah. of course it is but but captain kirk at the end was like you are god he's like i am god and i like your ship and he's like why does god need a star oh my uh, god that's poor and, and he's like because i need it and he's like why does god need a starship or something mccoy's like you don't ask god why he needs a starship or whatever yeah, yeah. but but so it Ugh. seems to be like i like i like picard better than kirk anyway Kirk's pretty awesome. He's kind of like the like we talk about dogs, like that little dog I held up, Scroats. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Scroats is not a dog I would choose out out of a lineup because he's not a bro dog, and neither is Ozzy, which Mary picked out. A bro dog is a dog you could wrestle with, throw a stick, pat him on the head. He loves you unconditionally, bro dog. Yeah, he gets hit by a snake and it doesn't really phase him. Yeah, he's like whatever. He just wants to have fun and be a dog. There's no hang-ups or anything. He's not like a border collie. Definitely not. But, um, you know, I feel like Captain Kirk is kind of like the bro dog of <laughs> Starship of the Star captains. Trek <laughs> yeah, he's like the bro dog. Because you know he'd have fun. Like, if you're at a bar and you saw Picard sitting at one table and then you saw Captain Kirk at another table, you will have way more fun with Captain Kirk. You're going to learn... Lessons just, and get on a better path in life and wake up like in electrical engineering school if you go I talk like to Captain, Captain Picard. For Picard to be the the fatherly sage wise elder, they had to take the Kirk out, and thus you have Riker. So like, like it's his id. It's exactly, his id Riker is is. Picard's id, just like Kirk didn't have that. That's why Kirk was like just dealt mainly with Spock uh, and McCoy. Uh, Picard is more nuanced, and for Picard to have the fatherly, like trusted and wise leader, they had to remove his Kirk, and they made the Riker. That's why Riker <laughs> was in the shenanigans. Who is also might be my favorite character. Well, that's what I was saying. When you were like, ridiculous. Who, do you, who do you drink with at a bar, Picard or Kirk? And I was like, Riker. He's at the bar. Yeah, Riker. <laughs> Riker's talking to the two girls on the end of the bar. Yeah, but like Picard's in a booth and Kurt's in the booth. I'm with Riker at the end of the bar. <laughs> okay, hold on, guys. We got to take a commercial break from uh, dwarfview.com or whatever. Calm down. Now is not the time for fear. You have paranormal insurance from Dorfu.com. The sensation you feel is the quickening, probably. But just to be on the safe side, you should go get paranormal insurance from Dorfu.com. Okay, that was cool. We're back. And we're talking about the devil slash Star Trek. 
Oh, that's going to be so hard. This whole episode is going to be... Talking about the devil, though, is pretty hard, though, because we're it's there's a difference between devils and the devil and and the devil is is the we're just going to be telling a Christian history of it or Islamic or Judaism. I don't know. The devil is more interesting in that it's it's something we can talk culturally. And I think we've been we've been talking about different points and not bringing up biblical studies at all but why the devil is interesting is and we haven't really gone into it is the cultural kind of um stories that go along with it in the 20th century including like meeting the devil at the crossroads like um with the movie from with karate kid in it yeah called crossroads that's i thought crossroads was with britney spears yeah i did too uh there's an 80s one with uh Who's the actor? I got you a signed autograph and you gave it to a bar. Ralph Macchio. Ralph Macchio is in it and he plays blues guitar. It's the movie he did after Karate Kid. It's awful. Oh my god. I cannot... Why would you cast him as a blues guitarist? He's a teenage blues guitarist. He he battles a metal guitarist and wins. Yes. In front of everybody. It's it's like a it was like a guitar (laughs) off or whatever. I know. I don't know. Like a guitar a guitar battle instead of a rap battle. And so it would go back and forth between this guy shredding a metal song (laughs) and Ralph Macchio pretending to play the blues. (laughs) Yes. Chris, if you haven't seen that, like a blues hat on, like with sunglasses. Crossroads. I think if you just type in like Ralph Macchio blues, there's one of like, <laughs> like four movies he made. He made four. No, he did my cousin's Vinny, my cousin Vinny too. He yeah. made like five 1986 movies. 1986 Crossroads. The yeah. kids in the hall did a great devil, and so did uh, John Lovitz. Yeah, John Saturday Lovitz Night Live. Awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, Lovitz is one of the best devils out there. Uh, but yeah. just to honor Robert Johnson a little bit, like what I mean, the real story supposedly is that he actually was quite bad at the guitar, but he was also like a kid and he was trying to like hustle some money on the streets in like Jim Crow South. And he did meet a friend uh, supposedly in a cemetery every night and he like left town and he did actually get better. So it is actually just like he just practiced a lot and learned some <laughs> some new tricks. But it was such a great marketing <laughs> a marketing thing because Wait, people was that before or after Ralph Macchio did it in the movie Crossroads? Robert Johnson. That was before uh, <laughs> Crossroads. Although I will say Crossroads has a seven point one out of ten on the IMDb. Whoa, that's pretty high. <laughs> that's really high. It also makes you think, um, what was that movie that we talked about last time that had like a one <laughs> or something? Oh, uh, Dracula 3000. Yeah, Dracula, <laughs> Dracula 2000 had one star. Which I didn't I didn't realize that that was the sequel to Dracula 2000. Yeah, which wasn't good either. Yeah. No, yeah. of course. Imagine that. The um, uh, one thing, I guess, we if we're going to talk about the devil, uh, just to get away from movie references since we've touched on it, is music references are uh, are all the devil is all over music, not just well, like blues. That goes back to Robert Johnson, but because of the the blues leading to rock and roll, which and embraced it. But as the aficionado, you're our local aficionado of metal that you can um, probably fill in some gaps. 
just talk about Iron Maiden for like five minutes. <laughs> so Iron Maiden definitely uses a lot of devil imagery, but um, I d- they're not they're not like a satanic metal band. The uh, Charlie, the, I think... who's the Charlie Daniels guy that just died? Charlie Daniels. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> he died like a couple weeks ago. No, the uh, but uh, I'd say the. 80s got got it pretty hard with the the hair metal bands being accused of being satanic and well yeah satanic panic uh, yeah it was the what the west memphis three right yeah which i i think all kind of results as a backlash to the 70s and 60s as they turn towards witchcraft again i mean you know, think of the 60s late 60s oh, witchcraft the... or it's just hippies well yeah counterculture I mean, but... ca- a counterculture thing well like Wicca came in the big... I mean, Wicca was invented in the 1950s, and it hit America hard in the 60s. It takes a little while to grow and expand, and so the age of Aquarius comes along, and they're going to see aspects of that and, and embrace it. And in the 70s, it kept getting a little um, more real. Like in music, it started getting a little darker, and that's when you start seeing like the Satanist churches and stuff popping up. And so the 80s was a backlash to that. So that's when everyone was just convinced that there was, you know, a devil worshiper community in each Ohio suburb, and they were killing and and abducting people. When was the first uh, Black Sabbath album? Was that 1968? Yeah, it was forever. Yeah, that was like crazy. He was like the OG for that. Yeah, but that was pretty edgy back then. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it is. He was talking about... He rhymed uh, masses with masses. <laughs> it, it progressed though more in, in like Norway and stuff, and developing uh, more dedicated satanic black metal bands though. Oh. Well, they, the, the, they always had a more adversarial relationship to the spread of Christianity, even like throughout the centuries. What in like Norway? Yeah, or Scandinavia, Sweden, Norway. Oh, I guess Norwegian black metal is but like they might have helped start it. But like the the band uh, Mayhem, they uh, the dude the one of the guitarists, Euronymous, he uh, he was a professed Satanist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was also like a douche. A lot of them were just completely. Uh, well, yeah, I mean the Satanists are all douches. I mean that's I mean so the Satanists aren't they're actually atheists. I mean the original there's like a couple of different versions of Satanism. I mean the the like the Satanist church with like Anton LaVey and stuff. They're they're actually atheists. They're more it's more of like an asshole punk rock vibe that they have. Like a and and they they embrace certain um, words tones and imagery to antagonize what they see as like a very like restrictive and totalitarian religion so they they uh take they just like pissing off christians i mean that's that's their whole thing not just christians they just like pissing people off so like levey is just kind of like an anarchist atheist <laughs> like uh, well i know but it's not some of these devil worship but some of these metal bands are pretty racist well, yeah. oh no but that dude the one i just mentioned Euronymous, he got murdered by his bandmate uh varg vikirns or whatever i don't know the whole story we'd have to call dan mills to talk about that he he knows all the he followed those bands even before they started killing each other I, but, I like before they murdered someone 
Yeah, it was to, and they're one of the bands like ate their drummer's brain or something. Like, there's all these rumors going around, like they murdered him, and it's in some sort of sacrificial thing. And that, well, all your black metal reminds me of a story when I was I was living in Norway, and I was living at this like ceramic artist camp in the mountains, and there was like a ceramic festival, and there's this guy who showed up with his like four kids, and he wore like a sweater vest and. He was like very like white, like <laughs> Scandinavian man, very nice. And I was like, "What's your name?" He's like, "Ugh, you can't even pronounce it." But you can call me Sven. He's like in his forties. I was like, "Okay, Sven, what's what's your last name?" He goes, "Well, it translates to the Dark One, so you could call me Sven the Dark One." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, so that's just like a historic name?" Or did... he's like, "Yeah, like I come from a valley in Sweden that all the." Yeah, when all the Christian missionaries came to like convert the uh, the valley that my family's from, that they resisted and very, like very very hard, and they were never able to convert this valley. So the the entire the mission dubbed everyone from that valley the Dark Ones, and everyone in the valley was into it. So they embraced that as their like last name um, <clears throat> or that community. So he comes from a long line of Dark Ones. I don't know when a good time is, but I. I made up my own joke. I was trying to think of devil jokes. Let's hear it. So you guys, I'm telling you, you guys, it's such a good joke. It's so bad. Hold on. I mean, I got to get ready for this. There's this guy who had started his own business and it just kept failing and it was going under and he was running out of uh, money and he was married and and worried about his marital struggles because his wife always supported him and his dream of, of running his own business and being successful. And he was just really down and out and walking around his store. And uh, he looked up and it was very clearly a devil-like person was there. It was a man in a nice suit, very slick back, but kind of like dark looking. And he said, hello, I have a deal to make for you. You've always wanted success, and I'll grant you this wish. And I only ask for your soul in return. And the guy was pretty selfless. He was a good guy. And so he thought, you know what? I'll, I'll sell my soul to the devil for a successful business, not for myself, but so that I can provide for my wife and future family. And so the devil said, okay, we have a deal. All you have to do is say this phrase out loud. And he wrote it down on a piece of paper and slid it over to the guy. And the guy looked at it and read it and said, nope, I'm not saying it. I will continue to struggle. The devil was disappointed, but he turned into a goat and then left. And he was like, oh, that really was the devil. It just kind of freaked him out. And so uh, he had a child and, uh, you know, 20 years later, he's teaching the child the business. Uh, at this point, they're like a bakery just trying to give bread and sweets to the neighborhood and just make a living and they're doing okay. And poof, he looked over and the devil's there again, sitting at a table in his bakery and sipping on a cup of coffee. And he said, if not for yourself, for your child, do you want them to have all the success in the world? And he slid the paper over and the man was pretty close to death himself from old age, so he picked up the paper. He said, I'll do it for my child. You can have my soul. And he read the paper, and it said, 
Help probe me, one cannoli. You're my lonely goat. (laughs) The problem with that is it's so long, and it's just just a throwback to an episode that I'm not sure anyone listened to. That is the longest possible joke for the worst punchline ever to yeah, be created by me. Do what? What episode is that from? What episode is that from? Nate, no, what? Throw me one cannoli. You're my lonely good. If if somebody in, in, anywhere, if one of the five people that listens to this outside of our family... Our family us? No, not all don't. of them. <laughs> Mom we used try. to... Help probe me, one cannoli. You're my lonely goat. All right, so our first listener to write in to wizard at dorfu.com. This is a two-part contest. Okay. Part one, if you name the episode where help probe me, help probe me one cannoli, you're my lonely goat. If you name the episode, you get a, some at least three Dorf Trottle stickers or dorfu.com stickers. If you come up with a better joke, you get an ultra prize. So, so like a better joke using that expression. Yeah, that's the, the punchline. That's the, the punchline punch has line. to be help probe me one cannoli, you're my lonely goat. Yeah. You can insert whatever leads up to that expression and the best one will receive a very very, Very handsome price. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You'll probably get loaded up for a long time. We'll and probably stickers if, in there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if this works, and if we get at least one participant, this might be a continuing thing where yeah. we will every episode our riddler may be a punchline <laughs> to a joke, and then somebody that has to do with the episode. Yeah, and then the following week we'll choose. Uh, from the funniest joke and then read it aloud. You know how I know that Satan runs the DMV? What? How? Because the devil takes many forms. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought it was great. great. What did Bill Murray say when he met Satan? Hello, I'm Bill Murray. I ain't afraid of no goats. <laughs> you said goats. Yes. Oh, wait, you were supposed to say goats. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay, I didn't get the, uh, the best yeah. tissue.